Welcome to Mad Dogs and Englishmen. I am Kevin Williamson here with Charles Cook, who has a rant prepared. Go. I'm just irritated, and I want to rant at Americans, whom I love dearly, but who have absolutely no idea just how exceptional their country is on the question of free speech, free expression, how exceptional the First Amendment is, how beautiful the First Amendment is, and how different life and the culture of expression in the United States is compared to even a relatively free and prosperous country such as the one in which I was born. Americans routinely argue that because of certain infractions that are very real, the IRS and so forth, that American free speech is dying. It's not. It's better than it has ever been. The Roberts Court has been extremely virtuous in upholding free speech. In America, you can do things and say things that in literally any other country in the world you would be punished for. And in fact, I have a challenge to those who say that this isn't the case. I will pay personally for you to go anywhere else in the world of your choice, any other country. But you have to do this. You have to dress up as a Nazi and walk around outside shouting about gays and Islam. And then you have to have a piece published within that country denying the Holocaust. <laughs> and if you're prepared to do that in any country, you can pick it. You tell me which country is better. Because the standard in the United States is not what people think it is, the Schenck case, fire in a theater. It's Brandenburg versus Ohio in 1969, which upheld the right of the KKK to march in their Nazi rally, their anti-Semitic rally, through a Jewish area. No other country has the likes of Brandenburg versus Ohio. Schenck is done. It was a terrible standard. For what it's worth, you can, of course, shout fire in a theatre. You can't deliberately, the standard said, shout fire in a theatre when there isn't a fire in order to try and cause a stampede. But that has been superseded. The only thing you can't do in the United States now is say that you're going to overthrow the government tomorrow at 4am, let's meet in the Staples parking lot. You can call for the overthrow of the government. Sedition is legal. You just can't put a time on it. Now, why do I mention this before I let Kevin in? and bring my rant to a close. I mention this because Bill Clinton over the weekend sided with the critics of the Obama administration and its decision to relinquish control over ICANN, which effectively rules the guts of the internet, the basics. And he suggested that this would allow in, allow to the table, the stakeholders that commerce supposedly wants from the rest of the world, this would allow in the likes of Russia and China, who have terrible free speech records. Indeed, the first lady even in China lectured that country on its poor free speech record. Why on earth we would allow these people to the table, I don't know. So I'll say before we move on, Americans, you are lucky. You have no idea how lucky you are with your free speech regime, and you need to recognize and defend it. And of course, the rest of the world is lucky by extension, because... Oh, the, it's the Commerce Department, right? Absolutely. But, uh, it was like, and I was just thinking, you very cleverly chose your three topics of discussion, because if you had just chosen the Holocaust and gays, you'd be buying a lot of tickets to Saudi Arabia and Iran and uh, Pakistan, probably a few other places. But I, I can't think of any place where you could get away with 
with all three. Uh, for those who haven't been following the issue too closely, and I know you're writing about this, uh, the controversy uh, with the Obama administration and, and the rules of internet governance, could you just go into that a little bit? ICANN controls the root of the internet. This isn't control in the sense that it can determine or sits and watches what is on the internet. The NSA does that. Yes. <laughs> but it is the... And in fact, it's interesting because the NSA has come up as an excuse from other countries as to why they should be allowed to share in this. It is an entirely unrelated point. The NSA, as I have written repeatedly, needs to be reined in, and its behavior has been appalling. But this is a wholly separate question. These are effectively the fundamental... I will oversimplify this, so don't write to me saying, oh, no, actually, there's a propagation and it's more fractured than it's... I know. But at its root, the idea is that there's one nationalreview.com and that there is a record somewhere of where you can find the information as to where that website is, who owns it, which company sold it, and so on and so forth. Also, there is the allocation of IP tables, which are the numbers that each computer or router, uh, which fronts computers, um, is given so that computers can talk to one another. Think of it as sort of the Internet's phone book. And then there are various other questions, such as which characters we allow on the Internet and how various protocols work, and so on and so forth. Now... Currently, this is run by a non-profit, non-government agency out in California called ICANN. Which stands for? Uh, I always forget this. The okay. Internet something of assigned name, names and numbers. Okay. Corporation of assigned names and numbers. International, I can't remember. But the Commerce Department oversees ICANN. Very lightly, it should be said, Annis Bilkinton correctly said it has done so very well. Now, the reason that this is important that this is in American hands is that nobody can stop Russia or China from destroying the liberties of their own people. If they want to block nationalreview.com, if I write something nice about Taiwan, then there's nothing to stop the Chinese stopping its own people from reading it. But they can't affect the internet outside of their own country. And the reality here is that ICANN has, although it doesn't use it because it's in America and there is a free speech culture, ICANN does at root have an awful lot of power. I mean, it could, for example, just delete nationalreview.com. Mm. Now, I understand that there would be a backlash against that, and I understand there are different ways of doing it, and that you could have a a uh, decentralized opposition within the United States, for example, that just put the addresses for National Review and so on up at each individual level. An ISP could do that, a city could do that, but they a can public make the library could very do that. But they can make it very difficult, and they never have. Yeah. Now, the point here is that Russia and China they want in. Now, there's no reason for them to be in unless they want to change something. But there's no need to change something. The system is working very well. I don't trust any other country with this, this power. I do trust the United States with this power because it doesn't have ridiculous ideas like hate speech laws and it doesn't believe that there's some right not to be offended like even my own country does. The and there's no need for compromise in free speech in America because we don't compromise free speech, but other countries do. Why do we have to have a debate about this? Why do we have to bring stakeholders to the table? Charlie's on fire today. That's good. You know, I, you changed my mind on this. At first, I was sort of neutral on the issue, but now I think I've come around to your point of view. And it's it's always difficult for me to admit when some agency of the yeah. federal government is doing something <laughs> well. But every now and then you have to come along and say, well, you know, the FDIC, it's not perfect, but it kind of works. And I've, you know, I can't, I couldn't make a very long list of things the Commerce Department no. does right. But okay, if it does this right, it does this right. And, uh, you know, this is definitely something that we want to 
defend. And I think this is one of those cases in which the the uh, sort of uh, non-ideological but sort of habitual conservatism uh, is called for, which is it works. And uh, so don't mess with it. I think you're you're absolutely right about that. S- suppose somebody came to us right now and said, "Listen, I respect the First Amendment, but I think that it should be changed into a committee, and I want a, a, a you know I want a place at that table. I want to discuss this, so I'm a stakeholder and I'm involved in it." You'd say, "No, you don't. You want to change it. You want to." have an input on something that is static. This is how I see American control of ICANN. It's fine. It's not broken. As you say, there's a Burkean tradition here of don't break uh, what is not broken. Don't try and fix it. Now, my suspicion here is that the president has, whether he made the decision himself or not, his administration certainly did, has walked potentially here into a hornet's nest. I think this is a keystone. I think Newt Gingrich 20 years ago used to talk about 70-30 issues. You know, it's embarrassing for Democrats that their party is by and large against Keystone when the American public is between 60 and 70% in favour of it. And if the Republicans do take the Senate, that's going to become, I think, an issue because there will be a bill that hits Obama's desk. What does he do? Does he veto it? What does Hillary Clinton and other challenges uh, in 2016 do? Do they snipe from the sides at the president or do they come out against Keystone as well? This is a similar issue. Republicans should be pressing this. They should be going to Mary Landry and Mark Pryor and... Democrats who voted against um, Adegbile and who voted will likely vote against Murphy if it ever comes up for a vote and say, do you want to be the guy running for re-election on the grounds that you voted to help give away the internet? No. Congress should be telling the executive branch that it is not to relinquish oversight, it is not to invite other countries and other stakeholders in, and the House should pass a bill explicitly doing that. You could even, in my view, given the unanimous nature in the past of bills reaffirming America's commitment to a free internet, you could possibly find that there were enough votes to override a presidential veto. Possibly. And I don't know what the polling looks like on this. Uh, I suspect it's the sort of thing that you know, Republicans are always looking for their youth outreach issue. This might be one of those good ones. But, you know, I'm a very compromise-oriented guy, and I have an idea for a compromise on this, which maybe hadn't occurred to you, which is that we should let these other countries um, have a place at the table, as they say, just as soon as they pass something like the First Amendment and keep it in place and honor it for 200 years. I think that sounds like an absolutely fantastic compromise. <laughs> if they can prove themselves, they're in. All right. Well, uh, you probably can't get this podcast in China, but um, but you can still get it here unless Barack Obama gets his way. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And tomorrow I will let Kevin talk. <laughs>